key phrase that was used by Jesus was, this is the year of the Lord's favor. Of course, when we think of a year, we tend to think of the calendar year, and, and, and we've just started that. And so I'd like to ask you, how's the year going? Now, last week I talked to you about those uh, New Year resolutions and how we always look forward to it kind of being a new year, getting a fresh start and being a new you. And we had that assurance from God that we are a new you in Christ. Well, last week when I talked to you, you know, we had just had a couple of days in the New Year's and everybody probably was on holiday. Now that we've all been back to work and back to school, let me ask you, how's the year going? Has it been one that's been filled with some challenges yet? Some, some of the old problems still with you? Or has it been just fun? We tend to uh, look at the year and think of not just you know, one week, but a whole span of time. I have to tell you, after this week being back to work and such, I'm exhausted. And my day isn't over yet. I still have another month or so to go. How about your year? Rather than picturing our year as a calendar, maybe it looks more like this. In fact, maybe this is an illustration we would say kind of pictures our, our, our whole life. It's just kind of a long, winding road with ups and downs. And it stretches out so far that we really don't know how far it's going to go or, or what's on the path ahead. Maybe another way of looking at it might be like this, where there is just this rocky, rugged path. And it requires some real effort on our part to follow it, to get up that hill or wherever it is that we're supposed to go. <laughs> do you find you need some encouragement on a trip like that? I'm sure you do. The reading that we heard a few minutes ago from Hebrews was addressed to Christians who were going through some difficult times. They were new to the Christian faith. And so they were experiencing some oppositions and hardships, along with just all the regular hardships of life. And the writer of that letter gave them this encouragement. Run with perseverance, he said. Or as a coach today might say to his team, just keep running the race. So let's take a look again at his words and find that encouragement that we need. Keep running the race. He writes, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. <coughs> you see what he called our attention to right at the very beginning? He says, therefore, last week when I preached to you, our Bible text also started out with that word, therefore. And I said, it reminds us to take a look back to see what he was just talking about. 
Well, what was he talking about? Chapter 11, which we call the section on the heroes of faith. Where he recounts for us some of the lives of the Old Testament believers and how they faced a lot of challenges and hardships. Now, some of those challenges simply came because God had given them a promise that they needed to trust. Or God had given them a command that they needed to carry out. And so he lists people like Noah, who was told to build this big boat and collect animals because there was going to be a flood that wiped everything out. That had to be a little challenging to do. And he talks about Abraham, who was given that command from God to leave his country and go to a land he had never been to before, trusting that this now would be the land for his people. And for him, all the world that had to be challenging, not only to do, but to, to believe. And he recounted the lives of many other believers also, and the hardships they experienced, some who experienced opposition because of their faith. In fact, he refers to it as a fury of flames that they had to endure. And so this writer then says to his current audience, and to us, no matter what you're going through, running the race. And so today, let's take a look at this in, in, in three parts. And after each part, we're going to stop and, and sing a song to get some encouragement about that. The first encouragement we have is keep running the race, even though you are going through some fiery trials, some hardships. You see, that's part of the, let's say, the problem in life. We go through life that can sometimes be unpleasant. Whether it's, it's sickness and suffering, whether there are some setbacks we experience, whether it's just some challenges that are really tough to deal with or hardships, sometimes life is just plain old unpleasant. Now the Apostle Peter, who wrote his letters at the same time this guy was writing his letter to the Hebrews, also referred to that at the very beginning of his letter. He said this, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You see, his readers are just like us. They were going through all kinds of griefs, all kinds of troubles. And it's unpleasant. Not only is it unpleasant, it doesn't seem to be fitting Right? I mean, even Peter kind of acknowledged that when he started out by saying, although now you're going through some difficult times. He was just talking about how joyous and glorious it is to be a Christian, to be living under God's grace, to know what Jesus has done for you. Although now it's kind of tough. He's acknowledging it just doesn't seem to be fitting that we experience that. After all, we kind of say, well, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ. I believe in God and God rules over things. He, he's made a wonderful creation. We just read about that in our Bible class this morning. And in fact, we didn't finish our lesson because just looking at everything that God created in this world for us is just an amazing part of his story for us. So we look at that and we say, so then why am I suffering? What's going on? Shouldn't life be happy and joyous? Well, God never said life would be happy and easy. In fact, he's telling us there will be those hardships. 
But what happened? What happened was our sin, our disobedience. We disobeyed what God wants us to do, and that brought ruin into this world. That's what's brought sickness and suffering and setbacks. That's what's created all the troubles and hardships. It wasn't God's design, but it's our fault. But there's some encouraging words, some good news here. I'm going to call it a solution. Not a solution. I'm not going to tell you how we fix it. I'm not going to tell you how it's going to be better. I'm not going to tell you what we can do to make it perfect again, because it ain't going to happen. But I'll tell you what God tells us about it. That'll help us understand it. It'll help us accept it. And it'll give us some comfort. One word. Grace. Grace. That's the solution to the troubles we're going through. The writer to the Hebrews, in his words to us today, pointed us to that very thing. And he said this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What he's telling us is, God has grace, this faithful and forgiving love for you. The difficulties, the hardships that you're going through, yes, it's because sin has ruined this world, but it's not because God is punishing you. God forgives you. The blood that Jesus shed on that cross is the blood that cleanses you from all of your sin. The perfect life that Jesus lived, that we can't, has been given to us through faith in Him so that we are right with God. And Jesus now who endured the cross, who died, but who rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God now rules over everything for you with that faithful, forgiving love. Peter referred to the same thing just before he said, I know you're going through some tough times. He said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. As we talk about this race, this course we're on that we call life, and maybe not always sure how bumpy it might be, how windy it might be, how tough or how easy we have this assurance that God is guarding us now to bring us to a glorious inheritance. And so I say to you, rest assured of God's grace. You heard that phrase before? Rest assured. Right? Somebody wants to convince you of something to let you know it's okay, you can be confident about it. They'll say, rest assured. I'm thinking about why do they say rest? Assured. Well, rest implies stop, relax, enjoy, everything's okay. Rest assured of God's grace. But how do I get that rest? Because you know how we are as people, we 
we worry about things and then we think we're not going to do this, we've got to do that, make it fixed. Rest. Here's what it means. I'm going to give you one Pastor Bork, silly acronym, and take that word rest and turn it into several phrases, even starting with that first letter. The R can stand for rely on God's promises. That's where rest comes from. Rely on what God says. That's how those Old Testament believers made it through all their hardships. They took God at his word. They simply relied on his promise. Think back to what Jesus said to us in Luke chapter 4. I have come to heal the sick, to give sight to the blind, to set the prisoner free, to proclaim to you the year of God's grace. What he says, rely on his promises. And then, like the writer to the Hebrew says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Too often we focus on, what am I going through? What's this person doing? What's that? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look what he's done. He's paved the way. He's taken care of your way to his throne where now we can come to him and ask for the blessings we need, and where someday we ourselves will be living forever. The letter S can stand for see God's hand. God knows what you're going through. And as these words from Peter are telling us, he's got his hand on you. Look what Peter says. Through faith you are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. These, that is, these trials, these difficult times, have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You are shielded. Just see how God is protecting you and guiding you all the way. And then simply trust. Trust God's plan. God knows what's going on. He knows the way. He knows that whole long, winding road. And he's got a plan to bring you that glorious inheritance. Peter continued, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Can't always see Jesus. But he's there. Not only is he at the right hand of God, he's right beside us all along the way. So, my friends, rest assured. As you're running this race, even through fiery trials, God is there to bless you. Well, there certainly can be some obstacles, some hardships that we have to deal with as we're on this race course, as we're going through life. But you know, it's not just the things that come at us from the outside that we have to deal with. There's also some things deeper than that that go inside of us. Not only did the writer to the Hebrews talk about running a race, so did the Apostle Paul. And right after he encouraged his readers to run that race well, he gave them some warnings, some encouragement about the very thing that can get in our way, that can tangle us up, that's inside of us. He goes back and he recounts for his readers the 
brief history, a brief section of the history of the people of Israel. He, he talks about how God had set them free from their slavery in Egypt with mighty power. How he brought them through the Red Sea and was with them to guide them to that promised land. But something happened. And he wants us to learn from it. So let's listen as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10. What happened to God's people in Israel? I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And he's referring here how God brought them out of Egypt and split that Red Sea so they could cross it and get away from the Egyptian army that was chasing them. He refers to that pillar of cloud, that majestic cloud that was there, and guided them through that wilderness. He said, look what they had. And he goes on. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. And so here he's referring to the fact how God had miraculously provided food for them in the desert. And miraculously brought water to them out of the rock. Here he refers to that being Christ who was with them. But now, verse 5. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. What happened? Here God just rescued him and showed his power and his love for them, and then he's not pleased with them? Look at all of the things that he was doing for them. What happened? He tells us. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they do. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it's written People sat down to eat and drink and got to indulge in revelry. They were only interested in enjoying the pleasures of this life, not worshiping God. <clears throat> we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. And we should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come, this long race that we're running. <coughs> so, here it is. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. The writer to the Hebrews said, when you're running this race, make sure you throw off everything that, in, that hinders you and the sin that entangles you. And taking the Apostle Paul's words then and putting them uh, uh, into this context here of his message, we can see exactly what he's telling us. As you are running this race, throw off Faulty trust. What does that mean? Faulty trust. See, there's a problem that we have inside us that I call a faulty faith, a faulty trust. It's trust in the self. You know, sometimes.
times I'll think, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty strong Christian. I'm pretty faithful. I go to church regularly. I read my Bible once in a while. I pray regularly. You know, I've been brought up to know those Ten Commandments, and I try hard to live by them. I'm a good moral character. I'm an outstanding Christian, in fact. See where the trust is? On me. Look at Israel. Look at Israel. Look what they had. They had the power of God demonstrated in their life. They had all those miracles. They had his personal guidance in that pillar of cloud and fire. They had direct messages from God through Moses. And look what they did. Because they thought, we're okay. We got it. You see, there's a problem that runs inside of all of us. It's called sin. We've got sin nature. And it's with us all the time. We will never be without that sin nature, that capability of sinning, as long as we're on this side of it. And the devil knows that. And so he tries to trip us up on this race. He throws temptation to sin at us because he knows exactly where our weaknesses are. As the writer, uh, or as Paul said, no temptation has taken you except what's common to human beings. In other words, we all get tempted to sin. And we have that capability to sin. We also have the ability to say no and to go the other way. But often we don't. We fall. But there's some good news here too. There is a solution for that insight. Listen to how the Apostle Paul continues. He says, it's all about grace. He writes, God is faithful. You may not. You may fall. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's God's grace. His faithful, forgiving love to guide you, to protect you, to pick you up, to strengthen you. That's grace. And so, again, rest assured that as you're running this race and you get tangled up in yourself, look to God for release. Find that rest. Again, rely on His promise. He said... I will provide you a way out. I will guide you and I will strengthen you with my spirit. But keep your eyes on Jesus, who ran this race already for you perfectly. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who shed his blood to give you that forgiveness. See him and how he lived. Let that be not only an example, but your motivation. I cannot do what Jesus does. But I can certainly be motivated by what he has done for me. The Savior who gave up his life so that I can have life. And see God's hand. Look for that way out. He says, I will give you a way out. He'll guide you and he'll strengthen you to see it. Simply trust what that plan is. He says, God is not tempting you. God will not let you bear more than you can handle. He will provide you a way out. 
So trust his plan. Tough race we're in. Fiery trials. <laughs> Holy human trust. But a faithful God who helps us run. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Come home running to him. You know that race we're on sometimes is a little tough. Whether it be those fiery trials, those hardships from life, whether it be that faulty faith and trust we have in ourselves, sometimes it's tough. But just keep running the race to Jesus. But the apostles also warn us we have to be on guard against something else. Because it's not just the toughness of the hardships, it's not just the failing of our own faith, but there's another source that wants to knock us out of the race. It's false teachers, false teachings, things that want to turn our attention away from Jesus. Listen as the Apostle Paul warns us about that on our race. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. He's warning us about false teachers. People in the church. Now it might be the local congregation. It might just be the Christian church in general. It might be spiritual organizations that maybe call themselves the church but really aren't. Or it could just be people who are out in society, out in the world, who seem to have a spiritual message for us. He warns us against them. Don't be fooled by their appearance and by their fine-sounding words because they're false. The reason he warns us about them is because of the deception the deadly deception that accompanies them. Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. They may look gentle and harmless, but they're a wolf. A wolf that's intent on destroying, killing. That's a deception. Oh, we think we're strong enough again. We think we're smart and got it all figured out. But then we are taken in by their deception. A deception it's not saying, hey, I've got the wrong thing, so listen to it. No, a deception says, I'm the right thing. I'm the truth. And then fools us. He said, naive people. <laughs> that is, people who think they know it, but they don't. Well, he tells us, this is how we can be on guard against that deadly deception. The soul illusion, guarding our soul, is to keep watch. And to stay away. Watch out. Listen to what you hear. Line it up with the scriptures. There are many warnings about this throughout the scripture. In fact, the scripture tells us that as time goes on, things are going to get worse for believers because the devil wants to knock you off that course, wants to take you away from Jesus. Now, sometimes we think, well, but I'm okay. Again, I'm standing strong, I know the truth. Some of that stuff's around me. It ain't gonna bother me. 
Bible also says a little bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So if I have like a glass up here of water and I just added a drop of Drano or liquid plumber, would you drink it? Just a drop. It probably won't do anything to you, man. Would you do it? Would you drink it? Probably not. You don't want any poison in you. And the same is true with our faith. Watch out. Stay away from it. Stay away. Think of driving now on this road. If you're driving on a road that's windy and you know, there's cliffs or hills, are you going to get as close to the edge so you can see how, how safe you are until it's too late? No, you're going to stay as far away as possible so you're safe. Somebody's telling us, stay away from what is false. Watch out. Stay away. And then again, you can rest assured in your salvation. Rely on God's promises. His word is the truth. It's clear and life-giving. The disciples had it right when they said, Lord, to whom else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. See what he has done for you. And then see how God guides you in that truth. His word is his lamp and his light for us. So stay in the word. Stay with the word. And trust what God says. His plan is revealed for you there. Trust what it says. Don't rely on worldly wisdom. Don't rely on your own desires. Simply trust his message of free, assuring grace. That's the race we're on. Fiery trials, faulty trust, false teachers. Keep <coughs> running the race. This week you might have heard a story in the news about the Olympics and how the Bay Area cities have made a proposal, a bid, to try to get the Summer Olympics to come here sometime in the future. And that bid was not accepted. And so there were newspaper you know, guys interviewing Olympic athletes and what their reaction was. Well, they're disappointed, you know, they hoped they would be here in their hometown and all that. But what amazed me about that story was these athletes are training now. My friends, it's about now. Even though the Olympics for these guys are a few years away, they're running the race now. And so let us be reminded, we're running that race of faith now. And it's for ever. It's for crossing that finish line into that glorious inheritance of eternity. So take the Apostle Paul's words to heart and run in such a way that you'll get that prize. God bless you as you run the race. Amen.